again. You may be seated. It's great to have you out this morning. If you are new to East Point, um, we're having a wee bit of a struggle with this mic, but if you're new to East Point, lovely to see you. We have a welcome desk and there's some information there. You're more than welcome to go and have a wee look at that later on. If you need to fill in any of the cards or, or that, please do keep in touch with us um, here. We are in a wee series just now. We mentioned it earlier on about Acts. We're in the sequel. And as a church, we're believing our God has got good things ahead of us. Amen. That God wants us to reach the community that we're in, the world that we're in, and the Lord wants us to do good things. Are you up for it, church? Amen. Give yourself a good shake and say, we're up for it. Bless the Lord. Amen. I thought I was only one in the room there for a wee moment. Can you turn with me? We we spoke the last time um, we we had Easter last week, but the week before that, we looked at Acts chapter 9, and we looked at the amazing conversion of um, Saul, who became Paul, And now we're going to carry on from verse 20 to verse 30. And we're just going to read those just now. And then we're going to give a wee bit of a background. So Acts chapter 9 and verse 20. Okay? And here's what it says. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there were conspiracies among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plans. Day and night they kept close watch in the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lured him into a basket through an opening in a wall. And when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he um, told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And high in Damascus, he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. And when the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. What a wonderful conversion Saul, who became Paul, had. A couple of Sundays ago, we were traveling up in the car and we had a conversation around all the different ways. And Chloe just shared an amazing wee thought. So many of us come to Jesus in different ways, don't we? So many of us share our story about how we came to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so many of us share a different experience of even the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's unique to all and who we are. And here, the Apostle Paul, Saul, who becomes the Apostle Paul, has this amazing one-to-one experience with the Lord Jesus Christ when he meets him on the roads of Damascus, even though he was filled at that stage with so much hatred against God, so much annoyance because the way he had planned out his life, the way he saw his Judaism progressing and working through and all that, had all been changed around when he met this man on the road who he thought was dead, and Jesus speaks right into his life. This guy's life is totally revolutionized. 
If you had asked him a year previously, did you ever see yourself preaching about Jesus Christ, a man who you hated and despised, would you have ever saw yourself doing that? This guy would have said, no way would I ever have come to be a man of God. And some of you in your story, if a few years ago you thought you would be sitting in a Pentecostal church called East Point, worshiping Jesus and adoring God, you probably would say to yourself, I don't think so. But Jesus came along and he called you and he met with you and he called you to a higher purpose. Paul had a powerful conversion experience. But do you know something, church? He had a powerful conversion experience because he was going to have a powerful purpose. Can I remind you back earlier in the chapter of chapter 9, if you have your Bible still open, and remember Ananias was sent to see Saul, and this is what the Lord said to Ananias, go this man as my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, their kings, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. You see, this guy had an amazing call, but he knew that in that amazing call there would be much suffering. And you know, friends, some things of God that are important also come with a big price tag. And sometimes when God calls us out to do something, sometimes that means there'll be other negative stuff going on in our lives too. But when God has a purpose and God has a call, God accomplishes it. And you know, the truth is, church, and we're going to look at it a wee bit here, but see, when you go to step out to do something for God, the enemy will always come against you. He will try to discourage you. He will say things into your mind and into your heart to dissuade you from carrying on and the purposes of God. But you need to know God. And you need to know the purposes of God. And you need to know that God has his hand upon you and God will use you for greater and higher purposes. Do you know, church, see this wee passage that we read this morning. It would be so easily looked over. You could read those verses just as a da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and you can miss so much. But in this wee section of Scripture, we can see some great things that teach us about Paul, but also can reflect and help us to reflect upon our lives as well. Important things that we could have so easily looked over. This section covers three things, and we're going to have it up in the slide now. It covers Paul's preaching, his preparation, and Paul's persecution. The brethren would be really chuffing me this morning. There's three Ps for you. That's a good brethren sermon. Three Ps, all right? Preaching, preparation, and persecution. And out of Paul, these three things with Paul, we're going to see some stuff for our own lives as well this morning, church. This is probably going to be the most simplest sermon you're ever going to hear in your life. Everybody open to simple this morning? Yeah? It's going to be one of the most simplest sermons you're ever going to hear. But you know something, church? See, if we could do the simple, we would be extremely effective. If we could take these simple three things this morning and apply them to our lives and see that this is a part of our walk with God as well, friends, we could be extremely effective in the work of God. Look at verse 20 of um, chapter 9 there. And it says this, At once he began to preach in the synagogue. Right away, 
Paul starts his preaching ministry. He just has his impact with God. He's with Ananias for a few days. And then Paul straight back into the synagogues. And he's not coming against the Christians. He's there supporting the Christians. And he starts to preach this wonderful message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his message is always very simple. And it teaches us something to church this morning. The message that we have should be extremely simple as well. Because Paul, throughout his ministry, always said he would do one thing. He would preach Christ and Christ crucified. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us, friend, is what we were singing about earlier on. It's all to do with that name of Jesus because there's power in the name of Jesus. Because when Jesus went to the cross to die for us, he went to the cross to give us life and life abundantly to change our life, to revolution our life, and to make a difference that we could spend eternity with the Father in heaven. How Jesus and his crucifixion is so central to our faith in these days. But Paul was just saved. Paul had literally just come to the kingdom. What would this man who was just saved have to preach about he hadn't at that point had any gospel teaching. So what was this man going to preach about? First thing first we'll notice about Paul is this. Paul, and we're going to read about it in a wee bit as we go along later on. But you know, Paul had a great grounding in Judaism. And our Christian faith, friends, comes out of Judaism. Because out of God's chosen people, the story of the cross has always been there. Right from the time Adam and Eve fell in the garden, the Lord promised a Redeemer. And throughout the Old Testament, we see that there's a picture building up over centuries and years of a Redeemer who would come and save their people from their sin. And although when Jesus walked the earth, Saul, Paul, would have been anti to him because there were so many that would have come and would have proclaimed that they were the Messiah and they would have ended up getting people to follow them and then they would end up just fizzling out and dying. But this Jesus was different. This Jesus, who he thought was dead, had met him on the road and started to speak in his life. And I guess what happened was this. Paul, being a great student of the Word of God, Paul started to put together what an awful lot of people in this world need to do today, the story of Jesus throughout from the very beginning up to now, to see that, in fact, the Lord Jesus Christ was indeed the Messiah, the promised deliverer for their world. Even though he didn't come in the package that they hoped he would have come, that wheeled, sword-wielding redeemer that was going to kick the Romans out, this guy had come to die, to save, and to bring liberty to these people's souls. Paul was placing them and putting them together. Paul had also heard Stephen, this young man, full of the Holy Spirit, anointed of God, wanting to serve God. And yet, can you imagine, church, close your eyes a moment, can you imagine that young man's body lying there and blow after blow after blow as stones were thrown at this young, anointed man of God? Paul had their coats. But before Stephen went down in the ground, but Stephen had a wonderful experience because no matter what blow came against God's servant Stephen, Stephen saw the Lord at the right hand of the Father. He had a wonderful picture of the Father smiling over him. The Father probably saying, well done, my good and faithful sir, for being faithful in the midst of all that he was going through. And yet Stephen, 
even in that judgment, gave an opportunity to declare throughout the history of what had happened way back from um, Abraham right through from Joseph to Moses. He started to say, this was our history. And then he came to the place where he was basically saying to all of his listeners, and yet you do not yield to the Spirit of God. You harden your heart against the Spirit of God. You will not listen to what the Spirit of God says. No matter who God sends, you will not listen to what the Spirit of God is saying into your life. Throwing this in for nothing this morning, if it's none to do with this sermon. But church this morning, may God never bring us to that place. That we are not open-eared to what the Spirit of God says. And we do not harden our hearts against what the Spirit wants to do in our lives. If we want to be that church that we pray for, a church that will reach out and bring people in and see people's lives revolutionized, church, we need to be open and sensitive to what the Spirit of God is saying in our day. That we give Him the priority of our lives, that God will move through us. But here we see this young man, Stephen, given his heart and soul right to the place of martyrdom. I guess that impacted Saul listening to that sermon. And the faithfulness of this young man living for God. And then he meets the very Savior that this young man had died in defense of. I think that impacted on his life to start him in the furtherance of the preaching. And then the other thing would have been his experience. That experience that he had on that day. Friends, I don't think any of us can fully comprehend what it must have been like to meet Jesus in that way. To be so anti-God, to be so anti-Jesus, to be so anti-the kingdom of God, and then to meet Jesus in such an amazing way, but yet in such a gracious way. Do you know, I'm sure when Paul hit the deck that day, he must have thought, my number's up. He must have thought that I'm going to get taken out because I have persecuted this man. I have persecuted. I am going to get taken out here. But instead of being taken out, he was lifted up. And he was brought in to the kingdom of God. And I'm sure as he started to preach in the temple courts and then in synagogues, friend, I'm sure that his story was a part of his preaching. Not exactly got a lot of experience. But he used what experience that he had to share the story. Church, we've been looking at the fact that Christ wants us to get the message out there that us men and women go and we share the good news story to everybody around us. But you know, sometimes Satan will come and try to silence us. And do you know how he tries to silence us? By our own experience. Who do you think you are? Pastor's preaching on a Sunday and telling us that we have to get out there. What do you think you've got? Sure, you only save five minutes. How could you go and tell somebody your life story? How could you go and share what God has done for you? Church this morning, how can you not? You need to share your experience of what God has been to you. Because I'll tell you one thing. You will meet somebody one day who seems to know the Bible inside out, but don't know the writer of the Bible, who can argue you black and blue from different scriptures to say this, that, and ask you all the different sorts of questions of all the day that you might feel you're inexperienced to answer. But to tell you this, church, 
Nobody can argue your story. Nobody can argue with you about your story. Your experience of the day you met the Lord Jesus Christ and repentance and walking faithfully with him. And that's the thing that you can share right from the very beginning of your walk with God, your story and his story. Your experience of what the Lord has done. And then sometimes the enemy will come. And the enemy will try to say, because of your past, because of your failure, because you've got it wrong in the past, how could God ever use you? I'm going to come back to that in a wee bit. But how could God ever use you? I want you to go back to verse 16. Remember when Jesus called him, he called him for purpose, even though after all that he had done, Jesus still called him for purpose. And if God can call him, God can call you the church this morning. Sometimes we fear being used of God because of our lack of knowledge. And that's why, church, we would encourage you. We all need to learn in the kingdom of God. I'm saved so many years, I'm trying to work it out now, about 46 years from a wee nipper. And you know, guys, even going through Bible college and all of those things, I am still learning so much more about the kingdom. When I rocked up to Bible college all those years and years ago, one of the first things they did was take you through, it was like a quiz, a Bible quiz. And you were rocking up the Bible college. I'd already a few wee courses under my belt by that stage that had done at home. And you were thinking to yourself, because you were saved a long, long time, that you knew quite a wee bit about the scripture. And we did this quiz, and every single one of us came out thinking, we know nothing. I know nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it teaches us that there is so much to learn in the Word of God. I know I've shared this on a Sunday night with some of you, but I know as a church, um, when I pastored in Dromore, we went through um, the Bible Society, have done the New Testament, they've taken out all the chapters and all the verses. It reads more like a novel. And just because we read it differently, the amount of stuff that we picked up, I know my brother-in-law did it at his church as well, and he had people and I had people who'd been on the road for 30 and 40 years and they were saying, I never saw that before in the Bible. And because they were commented in a different way, they started to pick something up new in Scripture. And all the time, we're learning stuff from Scripture. But that is why, church, don't put, be put off by your lack of knowledge. But do something about it. That's why we encourage you to link in the life group. That's why we really encourage you to think about being in a life group because you're taking what we preach on a Sunday and you're thinking about it, you're talking about it, you're trying to apply that to your life and it will develop you in the way of God. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, look, you know, I couldn't say anything at life group, but when you're listening to others talk, you're learning as you go along as well. So be encouraged to try and know that God can use you as he did with Paul as well. We're all called to share the word. We're all called to tell our story. We're all called to preach the word. And do you know, friends, it's sometimes it's not our ability. It's our availability. I want to encourage you this morning. Are you available to be used of God? Are you available to be used of God? I want to read you this week. I've kept this week, um piece of paper for years and I bring it out every once in a while as a wee illustration I found it in the Daily Mail of all places 
It's not a bad paper all the time. But I find this one time, and I use it every once in a while, and I just want to read this wee illustration. It's our availability and knowing that sometimes God might have brought you across somebody for purpose. Now listen to this. How I found Jesus on the rubbish tip. A trip to our local recycling center can be a trial. So keen are its workers to meet the council's grain quotas that they often interrogate visitors to ensure they have sorted their bags correctly. On my last mission, I was accosted by a huge gentleman who looked to be the tip's chief interrogator. He ripped apart my plastic bag and pointed out my failure to sort the perishable from the non-perishable. I apologized profusely. The next day when I arrived at the tip, I noticed something extraordinary. A beautiful cross jammed into the handle of the refuge container. It wasn't in the container. It was jammed into the the handle of it. As I wondered how it came to be on the tip, my interrogator appeared. We concluded that someone hadn't been able to bring themselves to throw out the cross. I rescued the cross and took it home. And it now sits at my desk, a reminder of how Jesus may be cast out from people's lives, but the story of the crucified love held such a power over someone that they just couldn't consign it to the rubbish. Some months later, I told this story to a vicar, remarking on how the love of God is most powerful when it engages with the world amid the joys and the sorrows of daily life. Here Christ can lead people to God. The vicar asked me to describe the big man at the rubbish tip, and he said that he recognized him. He recently had taken the funeral of that big man, a parishioner who had only been in his 20s, and the man had died in a car crash. I thought about how and why that cross had ended up in the rubbish. And the big man and I had stood together looking down at it. It occurred to me that there are times in our lives when we are unwittingly used to give others the opportunity to draw close to God, to tell our story. It's as if there are times when God wants us to share others of his love, especially when we experience shadows that are frightening and even threaten our existence. It's as if there are messages for us and our loved ones that are there is more to life than meets the eye. At the foot of the cross, fear is met by faith. When I think about the worker at the refuge tip, I'm reminded of the words of George MacLeod who helped the poor in the early 20th century. He said, I am recovering the claim that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves on a town garbage heap at a crossroads so cosmopolitan that they had to write his title in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. It was that kind of place where cynics talk smut, thieves curse, and soldiers gamble is where he died. And that's where Christians ought to be and what they ought to be doing. Church, see, tomorrow morning, when you go into that tea room on your break, and they're all sitting swearing and coarse jokes and making fun, you're there on mission. Try not to go and sit on a wee table on your own 
try and make the difference. I love the story that Dennis, Dennis is still not too well. He's recuperating from an operation on his leg. But Dennis tells a story, and Dennis works with some coarse people sometimes. But he tells a lovely story about how one person one time said to him, you're a Christian, aren't you? And the reason being was because his language and his talk was different. Do you know, church, God wants us to be right in the middle of it, telling our story, telling of the love of Jesus, telling of what God, don't shy away. But share your story when you get that opportunity of what God has done. Then here's the second thing this morning, and um, very, very simply. Verse 23. Again, we could look over this very, very quickly, or very simply, but it says this, after many days had gone by. Again, you just read that, you don't think about it, you just, many days have gone by. But I want you to come with me, and I want you to come to what Paul talked in Galatians um, 1, 11 to 24, because this is the period that is written here, many days have gone by. And it's not just a few days, but it's actually a three-year period. Listen to what it says here. Paul called by God. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not by human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by the revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous life in Judaism, how intensely I had persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. And advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among people who were extremely zealous for the, transition, the traditions of my father. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, this is the many days that Paul's talking about here. I went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, that is Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally all known to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report the man who firm, formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. It wasn't a few days, it was three years, and during that time, it's a time of preparation for Saul to become Paul and to be a part of the ministry. Three years out he took to get ready for the work of ministry. He only spent 15 days with James and Paul, so or James and Peter, sorry, so there wasn't maybe an awful lot of time for them to teach him in any way. How did this guy who preached very, very quickly and went to start preaching, how did he get the knowledge that he had? How did he get all that he knew to write the New Testament and he's the greatest missionary that has ever been? How did he do all of that? He tells us. He spent time with Jesus. He spent time in the presence of God. He got a revelation from Jesus Christ. God spoke in to his circumstance to tell him what he had to speak to the people. And friends, how important it is for us when communicating our faith to people to share what we've heard from God in our secret place. 
that when we go to meet him, and not only can we share with people how we fell in love with Jesus, but we also get to share what Jesus is saying to us on a daily basis. Obviously, as long as it doesn't contradict with the word of God, that you share your experience of what happens with Jesus so that that world out there can see that he's not someone away up there in eternity that has no revelation to his people's lives. But when we're in the secret place and you go to the Lord with this issue and that issue and that problem, when you go and you speak to the Lord about it and God comes in and speaks his word into your life, speaks into your situation, that you can share with people around you, this is my God. And this is what my God is doing in me today. And what my God is doing in me and making a change in me and a difference in me, God can do that in you too. It's what we learn in the secret place. I want to encourage you, church. Yes, we're saying to you, get out to your life groups, get out on a Sunday morning, but church, get into your secret place. Get into that place with the Lord where you meet with him on a daily basis that God shares his heart from his word and from his spirit into your life and you see the hand of God moving in you. Tell people about that. The people can see the difference that God makes for you today. What he's saying, what he's doing, how he is with you. Friends, develop yourself. Take time. Now, we've talked about this in the discipleship course. For those of you that aren't there, we, we've talked recently about this. You know, develop your walk with God. Develop your techniques. We encourage people, and we're going to look at it tonight again a wee bit as well. But, you know, when was the last time you shared your testimony with someone? Do you ever think of preparing yourself by practicing it? to your loved one or to a friend to sit down and say, this is my story. And go over your story with someone. And they might say to you, well, I would leave that wee bit out. That was a wee bit long. Or, you know, put this. Remember when that happened in your life? Share that in your story. Because the Bible says that we should be ready in season and out of season to give an account. So you need to make sure that your account is updated and relevant. So prepare yourself for that. Get hooked into the next course you see anywhere about evangelizing and about, you know, be prepared. We, we will put stuff on in the next wee while at some stage about things like that. But get hooked into those things because we want to be a better people prepared to tell our story because at the end of the day, we won't commission and it's to go. So we need to be prepared. None of us would go to battle today without our kit and without knowing how to use our sword or our gun. Sure, we wouldn't. And in the kingdom of God, we need to know how to use what God has given us for his kingdom, for his honor, and for his glory. Friends, the final we won this morning is persecution. In these few verses, we see Paul having to escape Damascus over the city wall because there were those people that were against him, the Jewish people in Jerusalem. He had such a remarkable testimony, but his testimony went against their story. They wanted rid of him. He was a thorn in their flesh. This guy that was so on fire for them, now so on fire for God, didn't look good. He was worse than the other guys that were there before. Do you remember when Peter and James were told not to go in to the, the temple courts and preach? And they said, no, we're going to do it anyway. We're going to obey God. Now one of their very own was now doing the same thing. You can imagine the embarrassment that was to the rulers of the day. But it's such a remarkable story. But you know something the Lord said when you share my story, you're going to suffer stuff for me. 
Saul was no sooner a Christian than he became a preacher. No sooner did he become a preacher than he became a sufferer. Did you get that, church? Paul was no sooner a Christian than he became a preacher. No sooner was he a preacher than he became a sufferer. Friends, we need to know that see when you graduate from just coming to sit on a service on a Sunday morning and sit in your seat, do the church thing, go home, maybe do a midweek, catch a midweek and go home. But once you get to that place where you realize I'm actually being released by God and by the Spirit of God to go and share my story and to witness to people and actually do what God called us to do, to be a part of the commission, to be a part of the sequel, to reach out there. Once you start serving God in that capacity and you come into your own right of the calling that God has for you, whether that be not just sharing the gospel, maybe in the prophetic, maybe in healing, whatever it is God has gifted you to do, whatever God has called you to do, let me tell you something, friends, that's when the enemy's going to get annoyed. See, when you're just sitting in church ticking off, I did Sunday morning and I did a midweek, the enemy's quite happy with you. You're not a threat to him. But see, once you step into that realm of, I'm a child of God, I've got a tongue in there, a tongue of a ready writer, and I can tell my story, and I can share my faith, and I can go out there and make a difference to my community by telling people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. When you actually get in that and you engage in that, the enemy is not a happy bunny. He is going to come against you. He's going to discourage you. He's going to try and tear you dry. He's going to try and scatter us. But friends, it's a part and parcel of what we're called today. And it lets us know we're on the right walk. Jesus said himself, he says, you're going to face trouble because of me. And that's a part of what we do. And we know, but friends, at the end of the day, who won? (laughs) So we follow and we're faithful. And you know, friends, your persecution might be as simple as being the brunt of the jokes around the coffee table. Maybe being ostracized sometime in work because of your Christian faith. Here comes the Holy Joel. What do you say? He's going to start preaching at us. Maybe that's some of the things you may face. But friends, it might even be worse. But he knows, he loves, and he cares. I want you to think about it this way, church. When that happens to you, when you're persecuted, can I encourage you to think of one word? Blessed. Blessed. The Bible says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Happy are those who are persecuted. What would you have to be happy for? Because you shared in the sufferings. You had a wee taste of what it was like for Jesus when he walked in this world. Give a wee taste of what it was like that happened to the Lord when he walked in this world. Do you know, Paul was rejected. He was distrusted. He was misunderstood, even by some of his Christian brothers and sisters. When he first rocks up, these guys don't want to know him. These guys are very, you know, keep him away. We know what he did. Is he a genuine article? But God sent Barnabas, son of encouragement. Are you a son or a daughter of encouragement this morning? Are you a wee money mini? You know, we can choose what we say. Are we living in negativity or are we living in positivity? God wants us to be encouragers of heart. And even though there were those that would keep this man at arm's length, 
Barnabas got him. And do you know why I think Barnabas got him? Because Barnabas got grace. Barnabas got grace. Barnabas saw that no matter what you have been in your past, God can bring you into good things and God can use you again. Amen. He was a man of grace, a man that believed in the best, always saw, rather than seeing the worst in somebody, he looked for the good in that person. Paul himself, when he talks, he talks about, you know, think no evil, keep no record of wrong. Always think about the good in somebody, not the negativity within that person. He wasn't being suspicious, looking over his shoulder, but he, Barnabas, was putting his God-given sense of grace for this man into action, that this man could live differently because he was going to put his trust in him. He was going to believe in him. And do you know who else was like that? Our lovely Lord Jesus. Even after Peter had done all that Peter did and denied the Lord and let the Lord down so much, doesn't the Lord call for the disciples and Peter and his resurrection? Doesn't the Lord call for Peter? And he says to Peter, on this faith, I'm going to build my church. Everybody else, all the rest of us, use him after what he did. Don't think so. And yet the grace of Jesus is just shed upon, just as it is upon Paul. As he calls Saul from a Saul to a Paul, he just brings him in to kingdom work, no matter what his past was. He brought him in to kingdom work. Barnabas didn't hold Saul's past against him. Friends, it's often the case that because a man once made a mistake, he's forever condemned. It is the great this characteristic of the heart of God that he's not held our past sins against us. And church, who are we to hold somebody's past against them when they're walking in repentance and God has given them their grace? Church, can I say this to you this morning? I know that our values are the presence and the people and passion all of those things, the purposes of God. But can I remind you of one of the purposes of God is to show grace. And I will work for you and I will work among you and I will want you to see that God has called us to be a community of grace. A community of people who will not hold people's sin against them, but a community of people who will work with people to see the fruit of repentance and to work on to be forgiven and to be used of God again. That's where I want to belong. I don't know about you. Do you want to belong to a church like that? A place where people will not hold your past against you, but will see what God can do in your future. We all need that. We all deserve that because God has given that. So let's live in that realm of grace as the people of God here at East Point. Church, very quickly, because I've probably gone a lot longer than we even thought. So much for a wee simple message, eh? I think I got carried away with that one, didn't I? Let me bring it all together. The last couple of lines. Let's live in the purpose of God, okay? Let's preach. And I don't mean get up here on a Sunday and do what I'm doing here now. I'm talking about communicate the story. Communicate your story. Communicate the good news. We can all do that. None of us will, not every one of us will be a preacher, but we'll all be witnesses. So preach the story. 
tell the story, communicate your heart to people, right? That others can follow Jesus too. Secondly, prepare yourself. How can you prepare yourself to go into this world that can be so hostile to the Christian faith? You prepare yourself in his presence. That's the key. Spending time in his presence. And when you're praying and you're having your quiet time with the Lord, ask the Lord, have you someone for me to see today? Have you someone for me to give a message to today? Is there someone, Lord, you want me to hug today? Someone to speak positive words over today? Someone to speak a message of love to today? Lord, let me know what it is I have to do. But you spend time in his presence. And he'll tell you what to do. He'll give you the word to say. He'll show you what to say. And it might be even more mind-blowing than you'll ever imagine. God might tell you some stuff about some people that you think, my goodness, but God will tell you that to set that person free. And you do it in his presence. Prepare yourself with those simple things we talked about. Share your story with another Christian to make sure that it's coming over clear. Get on an evangelism course. Do what you can because we need to prepare ourselves for that commission to go into the world. And thirdly, this morning, friends, expect persecution. If you get into that realm, you're going to get into trouble. But not with God, with the enemy, but we know he's a victor in the end. So just be aware that it's going to happen. But let me tell you this, church, all the negativity that hell can throw at you, will never outweigh the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. You may not always be able to reach one, but the truth of it is you can put your faith in somebody who does come to faith. And if you allow them to leave the past in the past, who knows, that person might be the next Billy Graham. eh? Let's trust them and bless them and encourage them on in their walk from God. Friends, believers this morning, it's time to get out there to do the preaching, isn't it? Time to go and get prepared.